everyone to a wonderful new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by two amazing artists today. Today, joining us, we have the performers and creators, Weena Polly and Katie Workham, who are part of Monster Morning. It's a new production that's playing January 14th, 19th, and 20th at Kestrels, which is at 206th Street in Brooklyn. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting TicketTaylor.com. We are so excited to bring you one of the first productions of the new year, of the 2024 new year. And we're so excited to have these two great artists to tell us more about it. So with that, let's go ahead and welcome on our guests, Weena and Katie. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yes, so happy. Hi. I am excited to have you here. I'm excited to talk about this show. It sounds so fascinating. I feel like I've I've gone on a cottage core or whatever on TikTok with this piece. I'm very intrigued with it. So, you know, why don't I start with you? Can you tell us a little bit about what Monster Morning is about? Monster Morning is the show, I guess one way to talk about it is this show that we wanted to see. We started creating the show, I guess, in 2019 and brought together all of the disparate elements of our past and our ancestry and our lineage and our whiteness and our womanhood, mothering, making, and friendship of 25 years, and brought it together to create what we call Monster Morning. Mm -hmm. Do you want to say? Yeah. And it's a straight up experimental dance theater piece which is so there one could piece together a narrative if one wanted to but we don't lay it out like that it has a lot of dance elements it has a lot of theater elements singing storytelling but what the freedom of exper- of the experimental world that we live in is that we have layered and collaged all of these ways of communicating with each other and with the audience into, we just sort of layered it and pushed it into one hour. And so it you're left with like a feeling versus a plot. And like a ballet is narrative, but it's also not completely abstract like modern dance. Like you're gonna, you're gonna be left with 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 tangibles of all the stuff that Weena was saying. And that's that's where we are. Yeah, we we started, Weena and I have been, like Weena said, we've known each other for 25 years in the dance world. And we both sort of came up as dancers and choreographers and we were sort of circling around each other and looking at each other from varying vantage points of friend groups. And maybe we were in a production and apart. And we started improvising together in 2012. And so I would say really the work started then. And we were improvising and improvising and these themes kept coming up of who we are and how we move in the world and how our identities shape what we do and our personalities colliding. And in 2019, we said, we gotta stop improvising and we need to make a piece. It's time. It's time to get this down and commit to what we want to say and exactly how we want to say it. 
which was the hardest thing. Improvising had become more comfortable than making choices and being accountable to them. So we decided that the scariest thing would be to make a decision for every single moment of the show and be accountable and have it be a choreographed, consistent, replicable show. So that's what we stepped into. And in a way, it was also to pay homage to dance theater as a form, which is something that we both loved when we first got to New York. And then it like wasn't cool. Yeah. And like modern dance got, you know, cooler. And, you know, there was there was a sort of I don't know, it got pushed into the back of the Mm -hmm. closet. And so I think, you know, after all this time we've been here, there was something about delighting in the form of dance theater really not challenging it. There's an audience. They're going to be entertained. There are lights and costumes. We're not breaking the fourth wall. There's a, we're accepting this and we're sort of playing tribute to it um, in a way that felt also very authentic to who we are and, and paying tribute to all of the people that we loved so dearly in that dance theater world before us. That sounds incredible. I love that. I also love the idea that it's much riskier or harder to commit something to a script or to solidify it rather than improvise it, where I feel like a lot of people in the arts are like, oh, no, 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 no. The other way around is much harder. Like, I want concrete. I want decisions made, you know? I want to be able to go through a routine rather than, like, walk on an empty stage and have something new every night, if that makes any sense. So I love that (laughs) this show and the process is kind of, flipped around that that's so intriguing Mm -hmm. so katie let me start with you next on this and i'd love to know what has it been like developing the work then an utter delight so weena's in my life overlap in so many ways we're we're deep friends we our children when they especially when they're younger we're a lot of friends so we're friendly together and we have been on trips together and so our lives are so intertwined to start off and then to pull ourselves out of the to distill these this relationship and work from this place of knowing and love has been so satisfying and um actually pretty easy because there's been so much base work done. Mm-hmm. And I think all those 10 years of improvising where we made hundreds of dances really created this language of like, I know, I know Wiena really well and vice versa. And a sense of, I've never worked with somebody who we can be so frank of like, yes, you have to keep that. No, you've got to get rid of that. Like, and, and without having the ego attached to it. So it's just been... I think we've been in a, a, a flow state, you know, to, to, of just, it's that yes and thing. And when it's been a no, but the no, but is becomes a yes. And <laughs> if that makes any sense. So, I mean, I also, when we were working the pan, the, you know, through the tail end of the pandemic and it was hard to get together sometimes. And I think that's why it took so long, but, the through line that that the groundwork has always been there. Yeah. With that kind of trust 
we can challenge each other in pretty direct ways and honest ways. And, and I mean, we have such a similar working pattern style. We go hard, we go long, we take breaks, we eat well, you know, things like (laughs) that. Like we, it fits and it makes it really easy to do a lot of good work together. And there's some, such a, you know, that historical trust of just being around means that we can pull apart quite far or we can challenge each other in ways that feels pretty unique because it doesn't threaten what's foundational to our connection. So. It's so love. I love that. And truthfully, as, as a longtime audience member, you can tell when there's a bond beyond the stage between performers and really shines through and it just enhances the performance all that much more. So I love knowing that. Weena, let me ask, is there a message or a thought that you're hoping that audiences take away from Monster Morning? I think recognizing the styles of monsters, <laughs> that there are a lot of different kinds of monsters and we all are monsters. We all have monsters. We live with monsters. We become them. We shed them. We kill them. We give birth to them. There's a lot of different kinds of monsters. And I think there's something about owning that that feels powerful. I really love that. Well, my final question for this interview, I want to ask you, Katie, and that is, who do you hope have access to this show? Okay, so, I mean, we made this show we at one point Rena said to me we are entertainers you know because we have been working in this high experimental community where it's sort of like if you don't like it you know that's your problem <laughs> and but I but you're know, flipping the script and say we want people to be entertained so we have access is a bit of a different story but I'm talking about who who could come in and see this show I'd like to think that somebody who, you know, willingly walks through the door, like they're not dragged, has access points into the show, that it's easy enough to, and it's sort of universal enough that there's a recognition between whoever we're speaking to. Like we've had five-year-olds come in, we had my 87-year-old father come in, and they both have the have resonate it resonates both with them i mean the five the five-year-old i saw i was like, oh here we go is are they going to be squirming in their seat i did it but they were right there so that's i think that this piece is anyone who's sort of has a willingness to pay attention and who has access i mean we've we the, the it's a tiered ticket pricing from 15 to 25 so we're the, the 25 is to reflect the cost of the show and the 15 is to give access to whoever can afford that 15. And that, that's where we are. Um, and also, you know, things like this to reach new audiences. We, I think in our community, we do a lot of performing for each other. So, but this show I think has a broader reach if we can reach them. But, you know, it is hard to make that step up and out especially with traditional media changing and people knowing about it has become a new, a new challenge to educate people just that it exists. Yeah. I might add that there's also, I think willingness and people who have a little bit of appreciation for a DIY style experience. <laughs> I mean, we did it all ourselves, lights, 
our husbands and us were in there building the, you know, risers for the, I mean, it's completely made, found, created. And so there's a scrappiness to it that we find kind of delightful. And I think allows people in to what it means to make something and also how to participate with your own imagination to, to buy the buy-in comes from people's willingness rather than spectacular props and lighting. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's true. Has yeah. an old school throwback seventies loft feel for sure. <laughs> <laughs> second part of our interview we love letting our listeners get to know our guests a little bit better and i'm excited to let them get to know the two of you a bit more and i want to start by asking you our regular first question which is what or who inspires you and typically we ask what playwrights composers or shows have inspired you in the past or just some of your favorites but with both of you being dancers and this being a dance show i do want to open it up to choreographers or dance performances as well on that. Oof. And Wina, uh, why don't I start first with you? Yeah. This is such a hard question for me because I don't, I'm not a typical dancer in that I haven't really fallen into the traditional pathways. Elizabeth Streb was a, a big influence for me. Brian Brooks, who I danced with also. Larger choreographers, like... I'm going to help you. Yeah, help me. <laughs> well, we have our queen of dance theater, Pina Bausch, who sure. I have been obsessed with forever. And we both, Wien and I both went to her Rite of Spring with all the dirt at the armory. And I mean, it's still, it's still, it's still fractures. I mean, so it's so she's, she invented the form. Big dance theater. Oh, sure. Big yes. dance theater, mm -hmm. who is, they've, come up through the experimental world. Annie B. Parson is doing, I mean, she choreographed the, the American Utopia, David Burns show, David Newman, we've both worked with, yeah. another experimental dance theater person. He choreographed Hades Town. I think he was nominated a couple of years ago. He's gotten all, you, you know, his uh, big, big guns. Who, who else? Uh, Stacey Dawson Stearns, who has since moved to Los Angeles, is one of the finest performers ever working ever those are to name a few and then you know I grew up watching musicals I love I love someone singing downstage right at me <laughs> Nell Carter I saw her in Ain't Misbehaving that was my first that was that was why I'm sitting in this chair right now in kindergarten being like my tiny jaw dropping and not understanding who, what I was looking at and how that voice came out of such a tiny body. And like, like a wreck, like, no, I need to do that. <laughs> and, and you know, she was the entertainer and, and the longest route back to entertainment at age 50. Here I am. <laughs> I love that list. And any more you'd like to add? No, I mean, I was thinking like dance influences, it's a lot of West African dance and hip hop. And that's really were my largest loves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I love those lists. Those are amazing. Some great names. I know the two of you have been busy getting ready for the show, but have you seen any great theater or dance lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I mean, Bright Spring, I've seen a bunch of times, Pina Bausch's piece that just was put up at the Armory, but it was set on a different company. It was set on Les Sables des Arts, right? From Senegal. From Senegal, but it was from, the dancers from 14 different countries in Africa. So the piece was made on a completely different company, completely different bodies than the way I've seen it. And I was like cracked open, fully bawling, like had to leave (laughs) at the end and speak to no one because it overtook my entire body and psyche. It was so gorgeous and powerful and difficult and could not be made in these current times. I don't think like it was, it's such an interesting combination of an old piece of choreography that sort of changed my life in college coming back, set on a completely different set of dancers and having all these different meanings. It was very powerful. So it is touring around. If you can see it, mm-hmm. Rite of Spring, unbelievable. And what else did we see? Was that something? Oh, Lena, Lena's yeah, piece I mean, is amazing. I want to plug. So we're doing our piece in this early January by design. So for, 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 the, for the world out there, <laughs> In there's something called there it, the this, the base thing is the APAP festival, which is the week of early January, and then there there were and are coming back all these satellite festivals around that APAP festival, the which presenters. which is a presenters festival, and so there and what's exciting they all kind of. The pandemic knocked a whole bunch out, but they're coming back. So New York Live Arts is presenting nine artists Mm. that weekend, and they are all weirdos like us, experimental dance, theater, the most cutting edge avant-garde work of the year that did well last season is getting brought back. So Molly Lieber and Eleanor Smith. That's um, a go-see. That's a go-see. Lena Eggleston and Lisa Fagan, Deep Darkness, a definite, definite ghosting. Yeah. Ghost. Whoever's on that list has been curated because wow. they were such badasses last year. Yeah. And they're all so, you know, it's it's like almost like going to Edinburgh in New York for just one week. You know, everything is all happening all at once. So you get your you plan it out. You're like, OK, Eleanor and Molly at three. And then I'm going to go see Niall Harris at five and. And then we also, in that weekend is the Under the Radar Festival, which used to be at the public, which got axed by the public, but Mark Russell, Mark Russell has resurrected it. And so there's all this, that's more in the theater world. And I think these, this is the time in New York City and it feels like it's starting to sparkle again, but it's the, it's, it's thrilling. It's a thrilling time. That's why we threw our hat in the ring we want to be part of this we want to be part of this buzz and this energy and say if we did it once we can do it again you know it's worth it's worth it and like we're doing it less for APAP presenters but more to be part of this wonderful singular energy in New York City in the experimental kind of quote downtown community that went away for a number of years and I feel like it's the first time is back with 
some funding and some energy and some wonderful productions. So I'm thrilled and I'm like making my calendar now. <laughs> I love that. I love all the great suggestions and I love, love the mention of the under the radar and just the mention about, I, I will say the revival of the idea of downtown theater. It really feels like it's coming back. 2024 is going to be a great year for off-off-off-Broadway theater. Like, everyone get out there and go see. There's some great stuff being done and some great theaters being revitalized. I'm so excited for what's to come. It's called, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. It's New York Live Arts is the theater and the festival's called Live Artery. So that, that I just want to make sure that people do hear my voice and go Google. That's where, that you'll find it there. You'll find it there. Yeah, there is. I think people are ready to go sit in the seats this year to go see stuff and they have energy to make group work, to make work that's not just in response to a pandemic feeling that like we are we are moving forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to ask the two of you, what is your favorite part about working in the arts? And Weena, I would love to start with you on that one. It's one of the few places where you can ask questions and not answer them. Hmm. I think it's a place of inquiry, of curiosity. It's a place where you can, I can build my muscle of imagination and find value in it without there being a deliverable attached to it. So it's, to me, it feels really crucial in this time, especially that I have chops in creating, in imagining, in stretching myself into my own edges. And that is that is what this place of theater and dance making offers me. Yeah. Preach. <laughs> That's a great answer. I love that. Katie, how about you? Well, I think, I mean, it's selfish. I, I, I'm at my best there. You know, I, I, I think that I am performing at the highest octane level in the arts versus if I were to be a a doctor or an architect, I might be okay, (laughs) but I might not do it as well as, and I don't even, it doesn't, I'm talking about a sense of, I'm not saying like, oh, I'm the, I'm the best choreographer, but I feel the most like myself, you know, and, and I feel the most in flow with the way that I think and the way that I move. And, and I feel at my most creative and natural. So that's my favorite part selfishly. And I think in relation to the, the, the friends and the community and the communion I feel with whoever I'm working with is un, unparalleled anywhere else. And I love that. Like Weena and I talk about the, you know, the making is the best part. And the showing is, these are Weena's words, it's like a moment of accountability of like, did it, did it work? Like we have to put it out. Uh, we get to put it out, but 97% of the joy comes in the years of creating together. Yeah. That, that's my favorite part. I love that answer too. Two answers. <laughs> and it gets me excited now to ask my favorite question, which is what is your favorite theater memory? I mean, this just popped in my head. I don't know if it's a favorite. I was I went to performing arts high school and we did a chorus line. And for some reason it was in Atlanta and we had a killer <laughs> budget. Like this school was funded. It was public school. 
So we had, you know, everybody had a costume made to their body. We had a full orchestra, live orchestra, professional musicians. We had like a glossy 30 page program. (laughs) It was so I didn't know. I thought it was normal. It was not normal. And I remember being in that final, the final kick line of chorus line, the gold hats and everything, and then finishing. And it was a dress rehearsal. And my stepdad was in the audience videoing it. And I, and I stopped and he put the camera down and he had tears in his eyes. And I've never, he's not, wasn't a very emotional guy. And I was like, it was, it was such a moment of like recognizing that being seen this way has power and, and, and that there's a way that I think I felt seen in a completely different way from someone who knew me so well. And it was very impactful. So Oh, I love that. That's such a wonderful memory. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, Katie. Let's see. Favorite theater moment. I mean, so many, right? I am definitely Nell Carter in kindergarten. Definitely. I remember going to, there was this musical, The Mystery of Edwin Drood, Ring a Bell, Ring a Bell, and sitting in the audience and thinking, like in the second act, thinking to myself, I don't want to leave here. Like, I don't want this to end. Oh. I want to stay in this dark. I have a lot of, I gotta, I'm going to just say, because I could, I could like pull out a, a million different performances, but the, I think going to the theater from a small child to now, like putting on a, a nice outfit, sitting in the dark, doing the whole lobby business. Maybe if you're younger, you go to like the diner in Midtown before when you're a little kid or you go get a drink after. Like the the going out is so delicious to me. I love it. I love, it's, some, it's like going to the movies, you can go in your sweatpants. There's something, there's something about like leaning into the evening. I find magical. And I always have. And it's such a New York-y thing for me because uh, we used to come down here. At, my grandparents lived here and that that it just sparkles and it still sparkles. You know, sometimes if I see too many shows, I'm ex- exhausted. But uh, I love that. Like, uh, like, this is such a digression. But so the space Kestrels, we organized. You know, and, and one of the things was it has to have soft chairs like really soft chairs so people can be comfortable and relax in their bodies and feel good so it has these squishy used like church chairs (laughs) that you can sit no folding chairs like it's this is supposed to be a pleasurable place to be and I think that's what I'm going to offer today as my favorite theatrical moment of just everything around the show is such great fun (laughs) I love that as well. That is so wonderful. Both of you, those were incredible memories. Thank you so much for sharing those. (laughs) Finally, if our listeners would like more information about Monster Morning or about either of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do so? You can find me on Instagram, Weena Polly Tar, T-A-R-R. That's my public Instagram. And then Katie and I have an Instagram together, which is Katie and Weena. No, Katie Weena. Oh, sorry. Katie Weena. Yep. 
And and I am Katie Workham Dance Instagram. And we don't have a website, but kestrels.space is the website. But you could slide into our DM. Yeah, we're all over the place. We've been around for a long time. If you Google our names, you'll you'll find us. <laughs> I love that. Well, perfect. Well, Weena, Katie, thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I'm so excited about this show. I cannot wait to see it. I think it's wonderful. I love the inspiration and the creativity behind it. So thank you so much for speaking with us. And thank you so much for your time today. Oh, you are such a delight. This was so fun. So fun. Thank you for having us. What a lovely time to spend on this afternoon Friday. And being such a booster of the arts. You're a a cultural gem. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for that. My guests today have been the performers and creators, Weena Polly and Katie Workham, whose new work, Monster Morning, is playing January 14th, 19th, and 20th at Kestrels, which is at 200 6th Street in Brooklyn, New York. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting TicketTaylor.com. You can also find some other information about our amazing performers and creators by checking out some of their social media and visiting the Performance Spaces website, which we're going to have posted on our episode description as well as on our social media posts. But you're not going to want to miss this performance. I mean, it truly sounds incredible. This is a wonderful creative piece. If you're a fan of... I said it before, Cottagecore on that great TikTok or whatever. This is for you. This is this is the show for you. It's a wonderful piece. It's called Monsters Morning, playing January 14th, 19th, and 20th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.